Welcome to my secret obsession. I'm Cherish Lively, and I invite you to indulge your secret obsession by joining me as I read thriller and spicy romance that will get your heart pounding with chills and thrills. So relax, and let's take a journey together. 38. Glitch Lexi Wells stumbling into Wolf and Baker Law Firm was something Peter hadn't anticipated. She looked familiar to him when he saw her on the security camera video, but it wasn't until he googled her that he realized that she was Anna Shaw's neighbor. That was why she recognized the necklace. This was a glitch that he didn't need. Tasha and the necklace were now loose ends that needed to be tied off. If the police came to talk to Tasha about the necklace, it could lead to police speaking with him and his co-workers. Maybe it was foolish, but he enjoyed seeing his trophies on the women at work. He left jewelry in the bathroom at work or on the ground outside in the parking lot for his co-workers to find. He'd specifically placed that necklace on the ground by Tasha's car. He knew she'd like it, and since he passed her several times a day, he would be able to see it on her. But after today, he didn't have time to waste. He would deal with Tasha tonight. He pulled the latex hood over his face and chanted the spell to mask his presence. It was a powerful spell, but it didn't last long. However, it did buy him enough time to get into the house before it wore off. He knew that she was going out with friends after work. That would give him time to prep. Tasha was recently divorced and still lived in the large house she'd purchased with her ex-husband. He zipped across the backyard and shimmied open a window in the back. Once inside, he strode through the house to get a feel for the floor plan. It was a large house with fine decor and high-end touches. He opened one door and noticed the large projector screen on the wall. Two rows of theater seats took up most of the room, but there was ample space for some workout pads, a jump rope, and small weights. He stopped cold when he heard the garage door opening. She was home. He grabbed the jump rope and hid in the closet. Tasha was still rattled by the woman at work today. She fingered the necklace as she slid the key into the door and made her way inside. The door chirped, but the alarm didn't count down. Damn it, she'd forgotten to arm the system this morning. Of all the days to forget. She armed it for stay mode now. Over dinner with her friends, they reassured her that since she found the necklace in a public parking garage, there was no way the killer could know that she had it. He certainly wouldn't know her name or where she lived. She pulled the necklace over her head and shivered at the thought of this piece of jewelry coming from a murder scene. If that woman, Lexi, was right, did she need to turn it over to the police? Perhaps Lexi just wanted the necklace for herself and was lying about all of this. Tasha's mind whirled with all the possibilities to explain what happened today. The notion that a serial killer dropped a necklace by her car door at work didn't make much sense. Setting the necklace on the kitchen island, she grabbed her thermos and filled it with ice water. She needed to work off some of the tension gripping her muscles. She got changed and went into the theater room. Once the projector was on and YouTube began playing through her exercise list of songs, she shut off the overhead lights. The room was dark, except for the pulsing light coming off the screen as the music videos played. She started running in place to get her heart rate up. Lexi's last words, I hope he doesn't come back for it, 
replayed through her mind. She wasn't sure what to do with the necklace. Even if she gave it to the police, if he knew she'd had it, would she be any safer? He probably wouldn't know she'd gotten rid of it and still come after her. As she ran in place, the shadow of her head bounced up and down on the screen as she blocked the light. She always thought that was kind of creepy and was scared that she'd see someone else's shadow on the screen. But after today, she was even more scared. She shifted to the side where she could run in place without her head bobbing into the light beam and casting a shadow on the screen. The video for the next song started. She grabbed her water, took a healthy sip, and then started running again. 39. Shadow Peter stood in the corner of the dark closet. Only a faint glow of light outlined the edge of the door. He smiled at the realization that with the music going, she wouldn't hear him come up behind her. She'd be completely distracted by her exercise routine. How terrifying would it be for her to see a shadow behind her on the screen, similar to when the music teacher spotted him in the reflection off the windows? The thought made his cock hard. He could already hear her scream echo around him, feel her fear pulse from her body. He would cut her scream short. His heart raced with excitement and anticipation. When the next song started, he would make his move. Tasha took another swig of water and relished the coolness. When the ad was over and the next song began, she started running again. She always slowly shifted as she ran in place. Her head bobbed in front of the light beam and cast a shadow on the screen. She ran to the side again to get out of the way of the light. She continued to run, but then a different shadow fell on the screen. She jumped and looked over her shoulder. Standing in the light beam was a man in black latex. Tasha screamed when she recognized him as the man from the video of the piano teacher's murder. She panicked, screamed, and then ran to the small hand weights. She grabbed one and threw it at him. He deftly shifted to the side and slammed against the wall. She grabbed another one and held it as if it was a weapon between them. Do you want the necklace? You can have it. Just let me go, she pleaded. It's in the kitchen. Go get it. She pointed towards the kitchen. Her heart raced. The putrid smell of death surrounded her. She had nowhere to go. I didn't do anything. Please, just leave me alone. He shook his head and took another step closer. He could taste her fear in the air. I'm sorry that I took it. I didn't know it was yours. Tears streamed down her face as terror surged within her. She didn't have anywhere to go. Her back was pressed against the wall. She raised the weight up by her head. If she could land a solid hit to his head, she could stun him, maybe get around him to call the police. He held the jump rope in one hand and reached for her. She swung at him with the weight. He blocked her hit and grabbed her by the wrist. Twisting her arm, he made her buckle under the pain and collapse onto the floor. Without missing a beat, he wrapped the jump rope around her neck and tightened it. Her screams were muffled as he cut off her air. She kicked off the wall, desperate to break his hold on her. But nothing worked. She wasn't strong enough to shift his body or weaken the suffocating grip of the jump rope biting into her throat. As her lids closed, her struggles lessened, and a darkness came over her. Then suddenly, the anguish of the rope disappeared. She gasped, and air filled her lungs, 
She rolled onto her side. Then, as quickly as the rope had disappeared, it was around her neck again, cutting off her air supply. She clawed at the rope. She spotted the weight just out of reach. She kicked off the wall and tried to shimmy closer to the weight. As her eyes were getting heavy, she stretched and grabbed it. Desperate to escape, she slammed the weight against his knee. He screamed and cursed as the weight bashed into his knee. The bitch had hurt him. He wrenched the weight from her hand. Furious, he pummeled her face with it until she was unrecognizable. With each blow, blood splatter and brain matter coated him and marked the walls. When his arm tired, he set the weight on the floor and looked at Tasha. Her blonde hair was dark with blood. Her nose and cheeks were caved in. Chunks of her brain, skull and teeth lay scattered on the floor around her. Anna Shaw had been a messy crime scene, but nothing like this. Tasha was truly gruesome. The police would never get the image of her body out of their heads. 40. Are you getting this? Evan pulled up to Tasha Newton's house and cursed. A news truck was parked along the street. Large mobile lights formed a box of light in the driveway that would become Monique Blair's spot for her new shot. It pissed him off that she was already there, but then again, she was the one that reported it to the police. Neighbors straddled the property lines and sidewalk. A few shouted out questions for him, but he just kept his head down and marched towards the house. Monique Blair stood in the driveway talking to her cameraman when she recognized Evan Steele. She snapped her fingers at her cameraman. Follow me. She hustled closer to the detective. Damn it. She cursed when one of her heels hit an open groove and she nearly twisted her ankle. Are you getting this? She asked, looking over her shoulder at the cameraman. We're good. We're good, Al Pierce said as he followed her. Excuse me, Monique called out. Evan pretended that he didn't know she was talking to him. Excuse me, Detective Steele, she said more firmly. She hustled up the grass and cut him off coming to a stop in front of him. What are your impressions? Did the strangler leave any clues? Evan stopped short. The strangler? His face twisted with a sarcastic humor. Did you give this piece of shit a catchy name? She stood tall, not willing to look intimidated by him. We have to call him something. What can you tell us about him? This is an active investigation. I don't have anything to tell you. He shifted to go around her. She shifted with him, like she was still on the high school basketball team. What do you know about the killer so far? He tilted his head and gave her a pensive look. I know that he contacted you. You seem to be important to him. Maybe I should be interviewing you. What can you tell me about him? I I don't know anything yet. She gripped the mic as if it was keeping her from floating away. I don't know why he contacted me. But you're glad he did, Evan stated. Her brows pulled down. I want to find this guy as much as you do. Evan scoffed. I doubt that. You're enjoying the attention. I'm not the enemy. I want to help, she said. Evan glanced at the crowd spilling off the sidewalk and into the street. If you want to help, have your cameraman scan the crowd a few times and send that footage to me at the precinct. Her mouth dropped open. Do you think he's here? She tried to subtly look at the crowd. I don't know, 
but he wanted you here. Those words coming from Detective Steele hit her hard. Serial killer wanted her to report these crimes. What will happen if she pisses him off? Or if he wants to turn the reporter into the story? Evan stepped around her and went inside. The house was nice. No signs of a struggle. He followed the voices through the kitchen and into the theater room. The overhead lights were on and police officers were taking pictures and collecting evidence. The theater seats were in the middle and back of the room. In the front, under the screen, lay Tasha Newton. Evan's stomach turned when he got close enough to realize that her face was beat to a bloody pulp. Skull fragments, tissue and blood stained the carpet and wall. The rope was still wrapped around her neck. Tomiko stepped up behind him. Hey, she said as she looked at Tasha's body. Did you notice? She's blonde. Evan grunted. Yeah, she doesn't fit his type. Then why her? Tomiko knelt to get a closer look and then pointed at her neck. Just thinking out loud, why did he use two techniques? Why strangle her with the rope and bash her face in? He beat Anna Shaw, too, Evan said, and pointed to one of the weights that lay along the wall. She may have thrown that at him. The drywall was dented partway up the wall. That would make sense. I'll confirm the cause of death when I do the autopsy. If she hit him, he could be injured. 